podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Vandal UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and this week I'm joined by Dan Wright. No Alex this week, a bit like half of our team last night. Uh, he'll be back for the next one. Even 24 hours on from last night, I am still seething, Dan. Are you the same? Yeah, I've, it's been a really rough day, to be honest. Like, it's been terrible. Football can take... People can take it's a dark place. It can take some great places, but when stuff like that happens last night, honestly, it's just been horrible. My heart is still broken, and I suspect it will be for a long time to come. Yeah, I've never felt so flat after a, a game before. I think me and my dad sat downstairs and didn't talk to each other for half an hour at full time, just yeah. sat in just pure silence. I don't think we'll have been the only ones. Um, felt felt incredibly harsh, not just because of the result, but the performance that the players put in. Uh, man to a man, you know, considering we had five or six first team players out who would have started last night, that's uh, that's some effort. But general thoughts on the on the game, really. I know it's really really hard because it is still so raw at the minute. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, Newcastle lost to Liverpool two uh, one last night in the ninety eighth minute. They conceded a goal. Uh, there was only five minutes uh, of added on time. So yeah, make of that what you will. The thing is, if we held on, I feel for another. Well, to be fair, they probably would have played on until they scored anyways. But if we did hang on for a point, I think we would have been leaving Anfield absolutely delighted. Uh, but just shows the, the harsh reality that is football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, flat's the right word. It was just absolute deflation. But it's a different kind of flat to one we've experienced in the last few years, which is a positive that I'm taking because we're flat because we feel like the boys deserved so much more. You know, We left everything on the pitch. You know, Liverpool might have had all the possession, more shots, what you have you, but Newcastle deserved a point. No one will convince me otherwise. In the past, we've been flat because we've seen nothing from the team. You know, we've seen no sort of tactics, you know, in the Steve Bruce era. You felt it's a different kind of flat, and I'll take this over that, but yeah, it really, really hurts. And it will do for a while. I mean, we've just got to try and bounce back on Saturday against Crystal Palace, but it's, you know, the la- it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I was more devastated for the players more than anything because you oh, could just see it full yeah. time. It was like they've put so much into this match, and obviously I'm going to put my Newcastle hat on here. But we were absolutely robbed of at least a point, and it probably could have been all three as well um, of that dubious offside, which we'll get onto um, a little bit later. But I think we should probably start to dissect the game and, in particular, the added time. Really, uh, so the board went up for for five minutes of, of additional time, which, to be fair, I thought was a bit excessive. For, Anyways, and there was a lot of talk of this time wasting that we're, we're seeing quite a lot, and that seems to be the answer of was karma. Newcastle spent the whole game time wasting. Well, our good friend Richard Keyes, who you know always backs Newcastle United up, <laughs> he turned around on Twitter today and found a stat saying that out of the 49 Premier League games that have been played, that was the ninth highest in terms of in play. But yeah, five minutes of out of time uh, went up. Nick Pope was down, I feel, for a minute and a half. So UK, okay, fair enough, you play another minute on top of that, you know, you, you expect that sort of thing. But it just kept going on and on 
and on. And they just kept getting another attack. We would clear it. They'd get another one. Finally, they got a corner and then scored from the resulting corner. And then the referee blew his whistle immediately after we kicked off, which is probably another interesting debate in all fairness, because really you could say Liverpool spent a minute celebrating. Should we get another minute added on? So you know, it's one of those things that's happened in the past now. Um, but what did you feel, Dan, of the, the whole added time debacle? Because it, it's still such a touchy subject now. But my views are that you don't play 90 minutes of a football match in play. So why are we now taking into consideration every single second that was wasted in that, in that added time? Which, look, this happens in every single game of football. Players go down with cramp. Substitutions are made, that sort of thing. Why was last night a one-off in terms of added time officiating? I don't know. It's a bizarre one. I mean, before we go into that, like you said, I think five was probably on the generous side to Liverpool. Um, yeah. Could have been four. I, I felt four was probably the number that I was expecting to see. Well, actually, when you're at Liverpool away holding on to a result, you're probably expecting it to be higher. So, and then, yeah, Pope was down, obviously, I get it. There was a little, there was obviously Newcastle had players down throughout, but throughout the 90 minutes, but that's why they've got the five minutes, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I felt, actually, do you remember, I think it could get me times wrong but if i think it was about night just after 96 minutes newcastle actually had a counter-attack mm-hmm. i saw this and i'm sitting um, and i'm sitting in the pub yeah. thinking like if newcastle somehow managed to score from this counter-attack amazing like it's one of the best things ever if we don't they clear it that's it like yeah. we can't lose at this point because he's played the minute and a half extra that pope was down i mean that might even be generous to add that much on anyway but he's played that now the game's been sort of flowing ever since that's it done. Like we can't, we can't lose the game. Like this is a brilliant point. If we nick a goal here, amazing. But yeah, just then they had an attack and then and it went on. And I'm thinking, come on, surely yeah. this is it. Get the corner. They're always you're always going to be allowed to take the corner. Like, but they shouldn't have got that point. And then, as as much as we can feel injustice, we at that point, we know we've got one corner to defend mm-hmm. to get the point. And unfortunately, we couldn't do it. Like. They defended really well all game, I thought, but it's it's just so heartbreaking because they didn't deserve it. But one corner to defend and we just couldn't do it. Um, yeah, as for the narrative, yeah, I think I think you're spot on. To be honest, I think if it's another side, like if it's Newcastle at home and we're pushing for a, a goal against, let's say Palace on Saturday, yeah. a winner on equaliser, no one talks about Crystal Palace time waste against Newcastle or any of most teams in the division. To be honest. I think it's Liverpool at Anfield. The Newcastle players got booed off by Liverpool fans. Like I, I bet they didn't boo Bournemouth off on. I heard they got on the weekend. Like, off actually. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no surprise. I think Eddie Howe said something similar in the press conference. Like you want to be booed off at these places rather than clapped off. Yeah. Because if you're getting clapped off, you've basically rolled over and they're just sort of like patting you on the back and going, N- "Nice try." Whereas Newcastle rattled them, and unfortunately, we don't have anything to show for that, and it, it's a huge, huge shame. I had this discussion last night with a few um, Liverpool support mates that I've got, and they kind of said, oh, like I got a text off one of them saying, you're a horrible lot, you. And I, I responded basically just saying, if we didn't play in that manner of in terms of disrupting the game as much as possible, we would have got annihilated just like Bournemouth did. Why mm-hmm. would a football team that has inferior players to the opposition come and make it very, very easy for you? Like yeah, we, we were ma- without mad, yeah. we were without six first team six first team players last night. Of course we're gonna go there and we'll not be the only team this season that's gonna go to Anfield 
and kick up a fuss and waste time and that sort of thing. It's gamesmanship. And if they yeah. thought that Newcastle were bad last night, just wait until they go to Goodison on Saturday. Because yeah. the way Everton were playing against Leeds, they were probably ten times worse than what we were doing last night. Um, but like you touched on there, the whole booing at full time, I, I think the general consensus from Newcastle fans is, and the players will be as well, is love that. Fantastic. Yeah, it just absolutely. Shows, it just shows that we're doing something right and we're, we're almost seen as a bit of a threat again. After all these years of just lingering yeah. in the abyss and doing nothing and going to the Emirates, Anfield, Etihad, getting to be 5 6 nil and having my bellies tickled. It's not like that anymore. So if, if anything, it probably just showed that Newcastle are starting to come back, which is um, which is really nice. It was flattering in all fairness, but nothing you can hide from a, um, a really, really tough result on us. But when you look back, I think I sat at half-time, and I think a lot of people will have as well. I'm sure you will have as well, Dan, and said even at 1-0 at half-time, if we lose tonight, you go, well, you know, the performance they've put in is outstanding. But to be leaving yeah. Anfield that disappointed with a 2-1 defeat just shows in such a small space of time how far we've come as a football club. Yeah, great. I mean, I'm sitting there in the pub when the five minutes up, stupidly said to me, mate, I mean, we've, we're five games in, we've played Man City, Liverpool, and we're going to be unbeaten. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it didn't <laughs> didn't pan out to be that way, unfortunately. It should have kept my mouth shut. But, yeah, it's we've come a long, long way. And this whole, you know, just touching on what you said before as well, like this whole anti-football vibe that people have been, you're horrible and stuff like yeah. that. Like, I felt like, especially in the first half, Newcastle gave as much as Liverpool for large we, portions. Like, gave, yeah, I was, I was surprised up, by that as well because we, we soak up the really ball. Yeah. We soak up the ball and then we were active on the counter-attack and we, to be honest, there were some moments where we had them stretch and I, I, I was really quite happy, first half in particular, with the attack, attack and intent. It, was, it wasn't reckless, it was controlled, but we were still having chances and getting at them. Second half when you're 1-0 down to Liverpool, look, it's hard, isn't it? Like, yeah. you, you're probably not going to get a sniff. I don't think that's for a lack of effort, by the way. I just think Liverpool are, were that good and had the ball where it made more sense for Newcastle to drop it a bit deeper and be well, naturally try, do, don't try, and, especially yeah, when you try and be a bit more horrible. 20 minutes before the end, you're going to sit back irrespective of who you're playing. Also, if a Liverpool fan says to you, oh, you're a lot of horrible, I want Newcastle to be horrible. Yeah. I want everyone to hate the thought of playing us. Like, whether that's because we play good football or whether that's just because we're really hard to break down, like I want that's a compliment to me rather than a criticism, hundred percent. Yeah, um, absolutely bang on. But I'd, like we've kind of said before, of you know, it's, it's we're happy that we're not going to these grounds and having our bellies tickled. And I think the whole thing of the time wasting and the anti-football, and I see now that they're, they're just like Atletico Madrid. Well. <laughs> Not really. I, I thought that that was probably the most attacking intent we've shown at a game at Anfield probably since the since the late 90s, in all fairness. I, I thought we, we really gave them a go in the first half. And if you look at the stats at half-time, we had two shots on target. Liverpool had none. I don't actually recall Nick Pub having that busy of a night. He didn't have a lot to no, do not really, really all night. I, I mean, of course, he picked the ball out his net twice, but... Prior to that, I think he made one save from Harvey Elliott, which was, was about 80, 70, 80 minutes on the clock. But other than that, um, there wasn't a lot to do. But that's a testament to, to our players. And I thought Jamal Lascelles and Dan Byrne, who I think everyone probably gasped when they saw that um, team sheet come out at, at 7 o'clock. But they were, yeah. they were outstanding. But one man we need to, to talk about, Alexander Isaac. What a debut, son. A, a fantastic goal. You can just see he uses confidence and he's a quality player. Just to take that first time, 
put it top corner against one of the best keepers in world football. And then for his second goal, which probably should have counted if you look back at that offside, another controversy from this game where he gets it down the left-hand side, he skins Robertson, skins Gomez and smashes it top corner at the near post. I sat there and I was like, we've got a serious football on our hands. Yeah, oh, he, he was brilliant. I'm, I'm amazed it's took us this long to talk about him, to be honest. He was just electric. Like, he's quick. He's he's really tall. Like, he's going to cause a lot of teams a lot of problems this season. His first finish, you know, he just... Great pass from Sean Longstaff, to be fair. Yeah. And then you can just tell he waits and he waits and he waits. He doesn't rush it or, or swipe at it. He just waits until it's in the right position and just hammers it past Allison. Like... On your debut as a striker at Anfield, so many strikers would just see that and hit it as soon as possible and just probably swipe it. Or oh, nine you know, times drag out of ten, it. it goes in the keeper's hands, doesn't it? Or it goes in the keeper's hands, you know, or straight at him. But it was an unbelievable finish. And the second one, which wasn't allowed, was even better. Like, the way he just put Robertson on his arse and then slotted it past, smashed it over Allison again. Like, it's just, it was ridiculous. He's He's clearly a very talented player and... I'm hoping, I think Eddie said as much, like he came off as a precaution and there's nothing wrong with him for Palace. I think he had a bit of a dead leg. They put a bit of ice on and you could tell like Newcastle started being a bit more of that sort of time-wasting team after that because there wasn't an out attacking. You know, you take Ron Fraser, who's got good delivery and he, to be fair, he looked quite sharp considering he's not had a lot of action. Isak, who was just, like I said, electric. And you replace him with Jacob Murphy and Chris mm. Wood, and it was almost like there's, there's nothing there really to yeah. to trouble them. So glad that he came off and it was just a precaution. He looks like he's going to be fine for Palace. But yeah, I already just can't wait to see him play again. Like He, he excites me a lot. Yeah, It's a good point you made there about the, um, in particular, probably the last 15 minutes when Isak came off was, of course, we naturally sat back because it's not like... I would say our starting eleven is outstanding and we've got a few players on the bench that could want to make a difference, but the mm-hmm. drop-off we have is massive in terms of some of the players, like taking Isaac on, like taking Isaac off and bringing off Jacob Murphy. You're going from an elite-level, you know, European standard footballer to a player that probably should be playing in the Championship now. That's no disrespect to Murphy, it's just that that's just that's the game, isn't it? No, yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, the, I agree. the, the drop-off in terms of substitutions is, is huge and it was it was natural that we were going to try and sit in for the last 15 20 minutes and, and try and ground out a salt which you know unfortunately we weren't able to do but lots of positives to take from last night i know it's still very raw for um for, yes. for us newcastle fans and it will be for a long time and I, i'm already looking forward to i think it's february the 18th when we get them at st james's park because that should be uh, one fiery encounter i don't think our players will need any motivations just look at the video at full time of uh, of their manager flailing his arms in front of a cop end i don't think there's any more motivation needed for that game so yeah it's going to be a fiery one but lots of positives to take you know you, you leave an anfield and you're absolutely seething with a 2-1 defeat it just shows how far we've, we've come as a football club um, and and the start of the season as a whole, which to be fair, Dan, we've I know we've only got I think six points on the board, but from them first five games, considering we've had Man City, Liverpool, Brighton, who have had a phenomenal start of the season, look to shoe in for top ten, Forest, a newly promoted side, a complete unknown entity, and then uh, Wolves away as well, considering we had you know, I think four or five first teams out for that match as well. It's uh, I know the points wise, maybe we would have wanted a few more, but you've got to say that's a really impressive start of the season, regardless. Yeah, I think the points on the board. Yeah, I think you look at the fixtures, and I would have probably taken. I would. Have, I would have snapped your hand for five, to be honest, because you you look at Man City and Liverpool and go, we're not getting anything there. Like yeah. we 
just show something on the pitch performance wise and we got a point from Man City and should have got another one against Liverpool but we'll not talk about that too much longer <laughs> no. um, uh, yeah I think as well as that though the points on the board are great but the, and we currently sit in 11th which you think that's nothing to shout about I think the performances for a large part have been something to shout about Forest we were excellent Man City we were excellent you know Wolves we came back and got a good point Brighton we look I think we were a bit of an off day against Brighton but we claimed a point sat back had to do some defending and when you're on an off day and your best player Bruno has a bit of an off day himself and you can still go to Brighton and dig deep and get a point yeah. the way they've been starting that's got to be a good sign for me and yeah Liverpool yesterday disappointing but the performances are there and I think the manner in which we're going about things excites me and I, I do believe I think the top six will probably be a bit too far this season but I I think there's a chance we can be the best of the rest. Yeah, onwards and upwards, lad. Onwards and upwards. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree. I don't think we'll get top six just in terms of uh, of the squad depth we've got. And look, we've we've seen with a few injuries now where you know we haven't got the best of quality in terms of players on the field and on the bench. So I think look, improvement on last season will absolutely happen. But let, let's just let's just hope that we can you know continue to keep pushing up the table because it's been a great start so far, regardless of. Of last night, that was a, that was a great performance and, and and damn unlucky. But look on the face of it, it's only one point lost, so it's not that bad after all. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the transfer window, it's finally coming to an end. It's probably been one of the most entertaining and exciting transfer windows for Newcastle fans. January was excellent, but a lot of hype going into this this window. It is deadline day as we record this. I might have this up by the, the evening tonight, or it might just be tomorrow. It depends on the business that Newcastle do. Um, but it seems it's going to be quite a quiet deadline day, which, to be honest, I wasn't really expecting. Because I thought, especially with the injuries we've had, obviously losing Shelby for for probably till after the World Cup, Emil Kraft, which you know devastating to lose him. We think for nearly the whole season. I really thought the Newcastle would have went out there and used their their two Premier League loans, but it seems for some circumstances they've not really been able to do that. And I think a lot of it has come down to the domino effect in football, which is essentially where. Teams are willing to let go of players, but they want replacements in themselves. So it's one of those ones to keep an eye on. But as of we're recording this now, with ten to seven, it doesn't seem like Newcastle are going to bring anyone in. Danny, you're a little bit disappointed we've not had a little flirt and deadline day and just brought someone in just for the air, yeah. thrill and excitement of it all. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm just reading Twitter as of six minutes ago in the Athletic. Dennis Zakaria, sorry if I've butchered that pronunciation, is having Hang his on. Chelsea medical mm. central midfielder. Does that potentially leave the door open for Conor Gallagher? If you know if he's yeah. not, you know he got sent off, he might be out of their plans. Look, we're speculating. There's not really been any solid links yeah. to anyone today, uh, other than uh, is there a West Ham fullback? I've been at work all day. I'm to be honest, I haven't really been following it because we've been quiet. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, just that you know, just see that on Twitter. It's potentially ex- interesting, but until we see anything more, I, I presume we won't be doing any business. Which is a tad disappointing. I think the windows a whole, we've got four. I think maybe I thought we would get a few more, mm-hmm. but I th- it's you know, I'm I think Newcastle have never been a club to do things on deadline day. Pre- previous regime, because there wasn't the ambition and there wasn't the need or the want really. This this regime, the, the, a lot of deadline days just stupid like panic buying. They're yeah. very much not into panic buying. You know they they'll they're not going to spend more money on a player than they think he's worth it it seems so i i don't think i'm that surprised i think they're active in that if a few loans came available they would go mm-hmm. but i i didn't think we'd be spending any money today 
No, I, I'm I'm total agreement with you, and I just think that as well. We've, I think it's pretty obvious as well that Eddie Howe, he only wants certain types of characters to come and join that team. Yes, it seems it's quite a meticulous approach to the transfer window in terms of all right. It doesn't matter if how great the player is; it's whether his attitude's right, whether he'll fit in the squad, that sort of thing. So I think that's probably a reason why we've been quite cautious with our business. But when you look back at the track record of the players that we've brought in since the takeover, it's probably been. Nine out of ten in terms of, of standard and the, the the players are brought in, so full trust in them in all fairness. But like yeah, I, said, I, I am just a little bit worried that the squad depth ain't there in terms of maybe going forward. If, if we lose St Maximan and Almiron to injuries, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at Jacob Murphy and Matt Ritchie to come into the team, which is a little bit of a of a worry. At right back, Trippier has had some injury problems in the past. Craft out for six to nine months with an ACL and Mankiw was not really being able to build a lot of fitness up maybe we needed a right back to come in and of course like we've addressed before with the whole midfield situation Bruno out injured Shelby out injured you probably want another midfield player just to add into that so look they've, they've clearly tried I mean like we've seen today there was a lot of talk about West Ham's uh, young defender Harrison Ashby he's a he's a right back he's out of contract in the summer seems that he doesn't want to sign a new deal at West Ham which maybe tempted Newcastle to try and get him but it, it seems of as far as I'm concerned and what we're reading that he's going to stay at West Ham so I don't know what's happened there but I think it might just be similar case really at the Conor Gallagher and Christian Pulisic at Chelsea where the domino effect has, has come into play and it's not really worked out for Newcastle so look I think it's one of those ones where maybe we might see some late business with you know if Zakaria is going to Chelsea maybe that opens it up for Gallagher but look we'll have to wait and see but I think that the consensus from me of this window was we've done some fantastic business when you consider we've brought in our number one target which was Sven Botman and then to bring in a top class striker in Isaac I think we all would have snapped your hands off for a, for a window like that yeah and as well the ones that are le- sort of less flash um, Pope there wasn't really the thought that we needed a, a goalkeeper maybe it wasn't I don't think it was a top priority I think I've got a lot of respect for Martin Dubravka he's been a great goalkeeper for Newcastle but when a player of Pope's quality is available for ten million pounds, it's just a no-brainer, really, isn't it? Like yeah. you get him, you get him involved. Matty Target again, another no-brainer. He was didn't put a single foot wrong for Newcastle on his loan spell. Available for I think we had to pay twelve million pounds, yeah. taking the total it's up to fifteen. Nowadays, it's nothing. Really. No, when you look at I some think, of the transfer, you know, things yeah. we've seen this season, it's really good business. That yeah, for me, it's just another no-brainer. It's, you know, it's not going to catch the headlines like your Botmans or your Isaks, but. I think that's the sort of mix that we can expect for the next two or three transfer windows. I think your sort of standard players that are going to, you know, build up the squad and improve the squad. And then you've got the next level of player, which is your Brunos, your uh, Botmans, hopefully, and and Isaks, where it's like, wow, the wow factor a bit. So I think they need to find the balance, really, because ultimately we are still, as a squad, in terms of depth, we aren't the seventh best squad in terms of depth yeah i agree in terms of in terms of the starting 11 i think genuinely especially at st james park we can beat anyone yeah i mean if, look, we've if seen we've that got, against man city i know we weren't on we saw that against man city the podcast but i think i think we all said after the match didn't we said i don't think any team in the world would have left with a result today other than man city that's just a testament to how yeah. amazing they are 
especially with the, the back end of the crowd at the minute, like it gives me goosebumps to think about St James Park at the minute. It's just absolutely electric. I've never experienced anything I mean, like this. I mean, that third goal when Trippier scored, there was people around oh, me like in word. tears. It was like I've I've never ever seen St James's Park like that, and it was a real look into what this club is now. And it's it, it is amazing. It's the best feeling in the world supporting Newcastle when they're winning at St James's Park. Oh, it's unbelievable! Yeah, there's nothing better. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it is outstanding. I can't wait for uh, Saturday. Unfortunately, I'm not there because. Uh, Duty calls. I've got to go and do some work for once, but <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a really really good season. We've already seen from these first five or six games just how well we're doing, and um, and that's come from the business that we've done in January and in the summer. So we, we've kind of said, was this a window we expected? I would say probably yes in terms of the players we've brought in. Maybe I thought we would have brought in a few more players in terms of numbers, but it seems that Eddie Howe is quite keen to not upset the dressing room too much in terms of bringing a load of new players and fizzling out all the lads who have you know kept us in the league for so long. We've seen that as well with the whole Lascelles and Trippier captaincy thing where he's kept Lascelles as the captain, even though it's pretty clear that Trippier is going to wear the armband in most games. So I think it, it's mm-hmm. one of those ones where he's just playing it safe. And look, it's worked out very well. He knows what he's doing. He's got the trust of every single Newcastle fan. So yeah, fully agree with him on that one. But little bit of disappointing that we've not been able to bring just a few more players in just for squad depth but yeah the well, it's, I feel like we're getting a bit greedy to be honest yeah, like, that, that, that you... is it isn't it really because I mean we've seen with a few injuries you look at that squad and you go uh, you worry because the thing is you start to compare now with you know, other clubs like you, you look, at, you start looking at West Ham's bench don't you and see well they've brought in they've got X amount of players in the bench that can come on to make a difference yeah, yeah. have we got that Definitely. maybe not but we've seen the natural improvement of those players in that team and the Newcastle mm-hmm. team this season so like like we seen last night it was half a squad we played with and how well they played that team under Steve Bruce would lose 5-0 Lanfield oh I'd have no <laughs> doubt about it I think he would he, he would have basically just abandoned any sort of tactics and gone we'll pigeonhole five defenders in there yep. you know get everyone deep like there wouldn't have been really any tactics no, that would have been thought about how... that would have been anti-football and time wasting at its peak yeah so. I mean <laughs> I was, we were talking about before this anti-football thing like Newcastle fans know what anti-football looks like and that wasn't it yesterday yeah. <laughs> like we know <laughs> better than anyone experts on anti-football <laughs> 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 so quickly back under the transfer window before we touch on Crystal Palace in terms of a rating out of 10 for Newcastle summer business, if we're calling it now at 7 o'clock, no more players to come in, what are you giving us out of 10? I think it's a very solid 8. Like, probably one one winger or centre midfielder signing away from it being a 9. Like, it's been pretty good. And I, I also think we'll bring in probably one or two in January just to bulk up the squad. But so, yeah, no complaints for me whatsoever. Solid 8 out of 10. Yeah, 8 out of 10 for me as well. To get in, if someone said to me at the start of the transfer window, you're going to sign Alexander Isak and Sven Botman and Nick Pope. <laughs> Absolutely delighted with that. Um, oh, 100%. If they were to go and get Conor Gallagher or Lucas Moura or Christian Pulis or just something now, but before 11 o'clock, now that's, that's slowly that's, cooking on that's a 10 a nine. out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> so no, uh, hats off to them. They've done a great job, and it does seem that they're going to go again in January. And I just wonder whether they'll um, revisit the Jao Pedro deal, which we knew was really, really close. I really wouldn't be surprised if we if we went and got him as well. Uh, another, actually, before I jump on the Palace game, speaking of Watford in general, uh, did we see that Chris Wood was at, at Watford and had inquired about Chris Wood this morning? Yeah, it, nah. was it Craig? Was it Craig Hope tweeted yes, that? He, he did tweet that, and he said uh, there was other Premier League interest as well. Like I, I'm intrigued. I mean, I guess if you let him go, you're back to having two strikers, one of which who's injury prone. Yeah. So I'm not surprised they've 
done it in terms of rejected. I am quite surprised that teams are interested in him. I can see why. And I don't mean that in a nasty way. No, no, you're absolutely bang on. I think maybe we aren't playing to his strengths. If you were to play a long ball to Chris yeah, yeah. Wood, like we've seen at Burnley under Dyche, he's a he's a comfortable probably ten goal a season striker. Unfortunately, we're sort of playing this like expansive attacking football, and maybe it, it just doesn't suit him. But he is a decent player. And, yeah. But one thing that I did see, and it didn't actually, I didn't actually realise it until I read the comments, was when we saw the thing was Watford had inquired about Wood. A lot of people were going, "Why haven't we done a swap deal, Chris Wood, yeah. and ten million for Shao Pedro?" That makes yeah, I mean that so makes a sense, lot of sense, doesn't it? it? It makes so much sense. Yeah, I mean, I just clarify for about like I'm surprised keep clubs are interested in him. Like, he's not pulling up any trees. He looks like he's probably possibly slow, uh, low on confidence. And Newcastle spent twenty five million pounds on him. Not so long. You're not going to get him for cheap. We're not going to. No. We're not going to let them loan him anytime soon. So if these are serious inquiries, you think they're going to have to stump up bare minimum fifteen million quid. Yeah. And he's still worth that in all fairness. I mean, look, when you see Morgan Gibbs-White leave for £45 million, you've seen Anthony Gordon linked with, you know, £60 million bids away. Even the Isaac deal, which I know on the base of last night looks pretty good, it's still a lot of money for a player that didn't do a lot last season in La Liga. So yeah. you, you, even when you look back, I know a lot of people laugh at the £25 million for Woods, but look at the transfer business now, you'd say that's probably about right for Chris Wood. That's just, that's just the inflation of the transfer market, though. And when we get to January, because January is see is seen pretty much as a bit of a panic buy window, where you know prices are inflated, that sort of thing. It's going to be off the scale in January. Like we've seen Anthony go to Man United for eighty five million. That deal in January is probably bordering over one hundred and twenty million quid. So yeah, it's it's insane, but it does seem that Newcastle are going to go again. And it's been a good transfer window. We're reaping the rewards of that on the pitch, which is fantastic. And speaking of on the pitch action, I know Newcastle will be desperate to get back out on the football pitch after what happened last night at Anfield. Up next, it's Crystal Palace at home. It's a big game, like they always are. Will the anger of last night be taken out fully on our opponents at the weekend, Dan? <laughs> You'd like to think so. I mean, obviously, it's it's the biggest cliche in football, but every game's a hard game. Palace are, are no mugs. I've mm-hmm. watched them a few times this season, and you know they went to Anfield and got a point, albeit helped by a red card. But like they're they're a very decent side that at the minute are just struggling to see games out, mm-hmm. um, or they would be a lot higher in the table. So Har's on on form. Another thing is it's a completely different test to the the Man City and the Liverpool games because. Palace are a counter-attacking side themselves, where the, the especially at St James's Park, the impetus will be on Newcastle to come and try and break them down first and foremost. I just think if we get an early goal, that's how you get rid of that sort of almost like I feel like nervous energy in the yeah. ground uh-huh. that will undoubtedly be there. Say we're going, say we're having all the play, and we just can't get a goal. Like, I feel like there's a bit of that creeping in for the Forest game until Shaw scores an absolute worldie, mm-hmm. like. An early goal does us the world of good, and it just helps forget what happened against Liverpool. I, it, it's a game for me that I'd love it if Bruno's back. I'm not sure if anything's been said, but He's I back think in when today, but I, yeah. I still think it'll be a push for the weekend, especially. Yeah, that's also as well. Like I was talking to my dad earlier, and we were in agreement that I don't think he'll drop anyone from last night for Saturday. Maybe the the two defenders might change in terms of fitness, but yeah. I think he'll keep the spine of the team the same, just rewarding the players on the effort they put in last night. I just think like when we're gonna have more of the ball, you know, the the difference in quality and this is no like this is not me having to go at Sean Longstaff, but the difference in quality between Sean Longstaff and Bruno is is like it's night and day. Like 
and that's just because Bruno's an incredible footballer. And if we're having more of the ball, trying to break them down, we could really, really use him. And even if it's just on the bench, if we if we do need to bring him on, if we don't and he sits on the bench for 90 minutes, fantastic. But I just think it'd be such a shame he wasn't available because mm-hmm. I think he could be the key in picking them apart. Um, you know, Isak was fantastic yesterday, but a lot of the time because he got the ball in the counter, he had space to run into. Mm-hmm. I'm not anticipating having any sort of space to no. manoeuvre against Palace. Like He's going to have to be a bit uh, cuter with his actions. And look, from what we've seen, he's capable. Yeah. I'd also be interested if Wilson's nearing a return. You know, we said mm. he, originally it was only going to be a few games. He's missed two games now. Again, it feels like they've been very quiet on the injuries, like yeah. in the press conference and that. So for me, if Wilson comes available, do you do you play both him and Isak and mm. potentially one out wide. It's a headache um, though, or, isn't it? That's a real headache, the Wilson and Isak thing. because It's also a great one oh, because, yeah. like, say say Isak starts and we get 70 minutes out of him. You bring on Callum Wilson rather than Chris Wood and it's just a completely different proposition. Yeah. I think as well with, especially, you know, leading up to the World Cup, I mean, we're already having midweek games in, like, August. Callum yeah. Wilson can't play twice a week, and that's nothing to do with him as a, as an ability of a footballer because he's outstanding. Just he can't stay fit. So I think if we're able to manage his load a lot better, which you know, like we've said, they're bringing him on for the last twenty minutes, half an hour of games, that's going to be you know that's going to be a huge boost for us, and it means that Isaac's going to get lots of game time as well. But I am intrigued just to see if he, if he would play both. I I think he would, in all fairness, but I think that Isaac would have to play out wide. Whether he's suited to that, I do not know. But it's a good headache. Um, to have, but I mean, we touched on Crystal Palace there. They're no mugs, like you said. They are a really, really good side. I mean, they went turned the look at the Etihad. We know how good Man City are. You know, they the draw with Liverpool, like we've said before. They've they have looked good, and they've had some hard games, which is probably the reason why they're you know in the bottom half of the table alongside us at the minute this season. Is I think they'll they'll definitely be in contention for a top ten place. We played them, you know, twice last season. I think Vieira he surprised a lot of people in terms of his management because I thought when he when he went to Palace, I was like, mm, I think he'll be sacked before the end of the season just because of what we've seen him done at previous jobs, likes of Nice and I think he was at New York Red Bulls or something. I think yeah, I think it was New York Red Bulls in New York City, one of the two. It didn't you mm-hmm. know set the world alight in terms of his management. So him getting a job in the Premier League, especially after Roy Hodgson left the club, it was a massive job. But to be fair to him, he's, he's transitioned Palace. The players he's brought in, he's done a great job. And so far, they, they have looked really, really good. Um. So I, I, my question is, is this one of the harder home games we'll play this season? Because for me, I really, really think it is. And they're a really good team. They'll be full of confidence. They've got lots of flair in the team. You know, likes of Zaha, who's you know he's been red out this season. Elise, they have got some really good players. Um, and it's I, I, to be fair, it's not the game you would want after Liverpool away at home. You probably want someone a little bit easier. But it's going to be a good test, though, isn't it? Against the against a, a good solid team like they are, Palace. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think it's so, I sort of said before, it's so different to Man City and how they'll approach the game. But we look how good we were against Forest. I think this is a real sign of how far we have come in our attacking intent and being able to like attack teams. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we put on another performance like Forest and win 2-0 again, it's like fantastic. We are mint. I suspect Crystal Palace will not be anywhere near as incompetent as Nottingham Forest were on that day. No. Which is a shame because it, it it was great fun, but yeah, it's it is tough. They've got so many players that I, I really like watching: Zaha, Elise, Eze. Just so many top top players that are just fun to watch as well. Hopefully, not too fun on Saturday. But yeah, I I, I respect the job Vieira's done. I think 
he's taken a Palace team that was pretty turd. Like they yeah. were never that close to going down. Or they were just sort of boring, just a bit safe, turgid. Weren't they like hoof yeah. ball, you know, Zahal bail us out if we're in trouble. The, but they've, they've, we've they've become we've less seen dependent teams, of Zaha, haven't they, in, in the last yeah, seasons? Th- we've seen so many teams where they they are safe and they sort of. And they get bored of that and they try a completely different approach. And more often than not, it just completely backfires and then they've got like Sam Allardyce in by February. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm really impressed with the job Vieira's done. The, the points and position might not even might not have even been that much better than Roy Hodgson. I, I don't know. I don't have that information off the top of my head. But I can guarantee Palace fans are going to Selhurst Park looking forward to watching their team play a lot more. And that's an underrated thing to improve as a manager. Like, if you get the fans excited to watch your team play... That, that counts for something. We're not all in this sort of like black and white world where it's like points are, are, is, and that's yeah. it. Like, it's an entertainment business after all, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. It, as much, it's obviously more of a results business, but if you can do it whilst entertaining, then it, it's brilliant. And yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of Palace. It is a really hard game. I just, our home record's ridiculous, isn't yeah. it, at the minute? Yeah. Like, I think as we might be sitting here going, it's one of the hardest games at home. I think Crystal Palace fans, if they would probably be thinking this is one of the hardest away games we're going to have all season. And and to be honest, I, I have to think they'd probably be right because the way that we play at home, the way the crowd backs us, it's just been ridiculous. It's a no, I've seen nothing like it really in my time as a Fortune Newcastle, which admittedly isn't as long as, as some. Yeah. But like the back end of last season, the start of this season, the way they played at home, I, I think we can beat anyone. And I'd more than include Crystal Palace in that. Yeah, I think even with the injuries, it doesn't look like St Maximan's going to make the game, doesn't look like Bruno's going to make the game, but if if they put in a performance like they did last night, they'll beat Palace comfortably. And that's got nothing to do with the drop-off in quality between Liverpool and Palace. I just genuinely think at home, like you said, Newcastle can't beat anyone. So I, it's just it's just confidence. and it's you know St James's Park's got to be a fortress this season if they do want to have a little knock at the top seven. And, you know putting back you know everything that happened yesterday to go out and respond with a convincing win at Saturday is the best way to do it let your football do the talking so no it is going to be a really really hard game you know you can't underestimate them because you know even with you know the injuries that we've got on our team it's probably quite a level game in terms of starting 11s that we're going to see at the weekend it's going to be relatively 50-50 so look it's going to be up to Newcastle I think to control the ball I think Palace will probably sit in but they're going to be really effective on the counter especially with Eze, Elise and Zaha They, they are going to be a handful so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough match, like I've said, but uh, a one that I expect Newcastle to come through. But before we get into the official score predictions from myself, Dan, I'll come to you first. It's Palace at home. It's a Saturday. It's a classic three o'clock kickoff. Tune win. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going for a Newcastle win. I'm going two one. I don't think we'll quite have it all our own way like we did in the Forest game. I, I expect them to score. Uh, their attacking players are too good, I think, to, for us to shut them out. But I, I do think we'll just have enough to get over the line. There might be a few nervy moments at the end, but yeah, I'm, I think we'll win 2-1 on Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 as well, actually. I think they'll probably go 1-0 up in all fairness. Uh, it would just be quite typical Newcastle, but second half, ideally in front of the Gallagher, I think we'll, we'll, we'll come through the match. And it would be a... I know it would be a frustrating week in terms of the results, but uh, a one where we can be very, very proud of the players. They've got to do the right things at the weekend and, and, and put back what we saw last night. So yeah, big game of the weekend like they all are, but it'll be nice to get back to winning ways. Dan, thanks a lot for coming on, mate. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully we'll have the full squad back for the next episode, which 
hopefully shouldn't be too long. We'll, we'll try and get one. The reason we've not had one in a while is basically work commitment and the fact we've had that amount of games. And then, the pub. Yeah, and cosy jokes. <laughs> <laughs> because we've all been to cosy. It's got nothing to do with games. No, I'm joking. We will be back soon with another one, though. Hopefully next week and hopefully uh, with a fully fit team, just like Newcastle, very soon. So this has been Time War, brought to you by Ravel UK in association with the Sports Social Podcast Network. And from us two lads, thank you very much for listening and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.